here so I don't stand in the way of your clear view of uh, a bright display and a dim display. Um, lovely to see you all this morning. Are you feeling good this morning? Okay. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, and we are continuing in our series. Now, our theme for the year is Hill Climbing for Beginners. I know it's weird, um, but our first series of the year is Preparing to Climb. Preparing to Climb. And last week, I listened to Dave's talk. I wasn't here myself, but um, he was talking about setting your goal, looking to the summit, looking to where you're actually heading. Today, my, my talk is called Preparation. Now, let's just do a little bit of an introduction. Um, has anybody ever heard of a city called Stavanger? Where is it? Call out. Norway. Norway. Thank you. Is there any great relevance of Stavanger to where we live? Well, the answer is... There used to be, because right in the early days of Harlow, Stavanger was, Stavanger in Norway, was a twin town of Harlow. Did you know that? How many people knew that? A few. Does anybody know what, it is no longer a twin of ours, by the way. Um, Does anybody know what twins we've got anymore? Nobody does. I think, they're, again, they're quietly fading away and uh, nobody seems to... There's a place in France called Villisi Villacouble or something. And there's another one in the, I think, either the Czech Republic or Poland. can't remember the name of it. Stavanger used to be a twin town of Harlow. Um, we used to fly a Norwegian flag on the three flagpoles on Broad Walk, along with the Harlow Council one and the Union Jack, or the Union Flag. Stavanger used to be a twin. They used to actually give us a Christmas tree as well each year. But we dropped them. Harlow Council decided that Stavanger should no longer be a twin town of Harlow. Why? I hear you cry. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. Um, The reason is... No, nothing to do with Christmas trees. Um, uh, It's because Norway, as a country, they hunt and kill whales. Not altogether successfully, because Barry's still with us. Well, he's not here today. Oh, Louise is. Barry is down at 4th Street or Harlow Baptist Church preaching them. I think he's pouring cold water on the Baptists. Anyway, we dropped them because they, they hunt and kill whales, the W-H-A-L-E-S, the big, the big mammals who live in the ocean. So Harlow Council thought, we're not having that, so we'll get rid of them. There used to be a Stavanger room in the old town hall, you know. Yeah, okay, there we go. Moving on. Anyway, one day I found myself in Stavanger. Now, it didn't happen by accident like that. But um, the ship I was on docked in Stavanger, Norway. And I decided, with two friends, one of them was my brother-in-law, um, that 
that we would, um, we would, I decided that we would climb something called Pulpit Rock. Pulpit Rock, Preikestollen, it's called. So that's Martin, my brother-in-law, the one who was just about to be thrown off. That, and that's Trevor, a friend of mine. And we decided that we would climb Pulpit Rock. Now, it is not recommended when you've only got one day there. If you're on a cruise, it's too far to do it in one day. As I say, it's a two, hour, two hours up, two hours down, but it's not as simple as that. You have to catch a ferry to get across to the other side of the fjord, which is quite a long ferry ride. It's about 35, 40 minutes ferry ride. So you've got to get off the ship. You've got to get to the ferry, buy your ticket, get across to a place called Tau, T-A-U, then you've got to, get a, got to get somehow to the car park at the beginning of the climb of Pulpit Rock. Remember, this is hill climbing for beginners. And believe you me, I'm a beginner. Even though I might look as if I've been round the block a few times, I'm definitely a beginner when it comes to hill climbing. So, I've got it all planned. Off the ship as soon as we could. Go round the corner through Stavanger to catch the ferry across to Tow. And got the ferry all right. And every, it was a lovely day, by the way. Beautiful day, unlike, unlike most days in, in Norway, where it's usually raining or freezing cold. But it was a beautiful, warm day. And we got to the ferry. And I'd already arranged a taxi to pick us up from the ferry port, take us to the car park, to let drop us off so we could go up Pulpit Rock. Two-hour climb was said in the books. Not recommended if you're on a cruise, because you may not get back in time. We did it. We went across there, and the taxi driver was waiting. Taxi driver was a, was from Mauritania. Has anybody ever met anybody from Mauritania, or is there anybody here from Mauritania? No, I hadn't either. He was the first Mauritanian, as far as I know, I'd ever met. And I said to him, "So we're going to do pulpit rock." He said, "Yes." I said, "Have you ever done it?" He said, "Yeah, I've done it ten, twelve, fifteen times." Oh, okay, good. How long did it take? He said, are you fit? This is the three of us. In the, you know. Now, if you ask three men who are, no women around, are you fit? The answer, of course, is yes, of course we're fit. Even though I'm, you know, in my mid to late 60s at the time, it was a few years ago. Oh, well, he said, if you're fit, 40, 45 minutes, Bearing in mind that recommended time is two hours. Okay, right, fine. So he dropped us off and off we set. It was a stiff climb, I can tell you that. Now, we're talking about preparation this morning. Preparation. What preparation had we done? Well, we brought our lunch with us and that was it. No preparation whatsoever. People didn't have the proper gear, really, to be honest. Look. I mean, Trevor's got some hobnail boots on or something, but it, it was quite a stiff climb. Um, it's like going up steps, except the steps are about that high, each one of sort of like solid granite, and you, you're trailing up there. And if you're the slowest person out of the three, which I was, the other two go ahead, then they decide to stop for a rest. So they stop and rest, admire the view, and I plod up there, straining, and when I get to them and say, right, let's go on then, and on we go. 
it wasn't quite as bad as that. I, I was a little bit behind them. That's Pulpit Rock. Um, it's right. I'd seen it from, from below. I'd seen it from the you know the fjord down below, but it's it's you can't sort of climb up the face of it unless you're a real experienced mountaineer. But you can go on a long route round the back. It's still going up quite significantly, um, and that's Pulpit Rock and. That's the view from the top along the fjord there. And have I got another one? Just to prove I was there. <laughs> Come on. So, so what did you say, Dave? Oh. So um oh by the way, it took us ninety minutes because we're fit. The view from the top was amazing. It was really well worth doing. And I know very well if I was setting out to do it today, I probably wouldn't set out to do it because I don't think I would, I would be able to do it now. But I'm glad I took the opportunity when I did. You see, I did, I did suffer for it, by the way, the following day. Coming down was even worse. We did get back to the ship before it left, so it was all right. But... This theme that we've got, hill climbing for beginners. Now, you may think, well, I've been a Christian for years and years. I'm no beginner. I don't know about you, but I feel the more I learn about God, the more I get to know God, the less I know. I realize that I do know. There is so much of our Lord, of our God, that we have got to learn. He is he's infinite. You know, you can spend whole lifetimes studying God's Word in conversation with him and there's loads more still to learn so in some senses we're all still beginners but my thought was that if you want to climb hills supposing you really were interested in climbing hills literally climbing hills the best thing you could do there aren't any hills around here that's the first thing but if you wanted to climb hills you'd obviously need to go somewhere where there were some hills you'd also I think you'd join some kind of hill-walking society or group. There's no point. It's not something that's very advisable to do on your own. And there's so much you might have to learn about it. I mean, you'd want to learn from people. You might want to learn, you know, all sorts of things about the routes that you can take. You can look at maps. You can read up about equipment and so on, the things you need to go there to be prepared. Not like us when we climbed Pulpit Rock. We weren't prepared at all. We still did it, but probably we could have done it a lot better if we'd taken a little bit of time to prepare. And so my thought this morning is, one of the things, preparing to climb, if you want to climb mountains or hills for God, if you want to go to those places where not so many people are, if you want to you know, climb up the mountain of the Lord and conquer things for the Lord, the first thing you should do, which I'm speaking to the converted is, is to join a church. You know, God never intended us to be on our own. He never wanted us. <coughs> Sorry about that. He never wanted us to be isolated. You know, and you can say, well, I don't need to, I don't need to come along to church. Church is not, not important. You know, church is, 
you know, what well, I can be a Christian without joining with other people. Well, there are a bunch of old, there are a bunch of boring old hypocrites in there anyway. Even the Church of England's prayer books that calls them miserable offenders. Morning, miserable offenders. But you know, and other people say church is only for sinners. It's only for the bad. Yes, it is, because we're all sinners, and that's why we need to have people around us who have the same interests, the same passion, the same desires. You can't successfully be a Christian if you're on your own. I know some people have to be, and God touches them, and God blesses them. We don't have to be. God never intended us to be on our own. And this passage from Hebrews Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards good, sorry, love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching, brothers and sisters, and we need to be together. And it's more and more important in this day and age, that we are a a united family together, a group of people, a body of people who want to serve our God and who want to know him better. Matthew 18 says these words, For two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. We don't have to have too many people around. Two or three people gathering together. Jesus is here among us. And he's all the more here among us because there's loads more than two or three of us, but it's not to do with numbers. We need to have fellowship with each other. We need to have the support and the prayer and the love. And we need to learn from each other. We need to learn. We need, and someone will have been through what you're going through. And that person will be able to help you. Not all of us go through the same things. But that's why God started the church on the day of Pentecost. He didn't, you know, not just isolated people on their own, doing their own thing, plowing their own furrow. We're here because God has called us. And I tell you what, if you get passionate about anything, you know, up and down this country there are societies, clubs and all sorts of organisations that you can join to fulfil your interest, whether it be, you know, taxidermy or campanology or all sorts of things. There are people who meet the whole, all the time. They're there every week. They ring the bells. They stuff the dead animals. They, they do knitting. They do baking, cooking. They do motor vehicle mechanics. They do all sorts of things. They, you know, the Pooh Bear Appreciation Society. All sorts of things that you can join. And I'll tell you what, if you're fired up and you are enthusiastic and you're passionate about something, you make sure you don't miss. I can't do this because I've got to go to choir tonight or I've got to do something else. We all make time. We all make space for what we really want to do. I'd like to get to church more often, but I don't have the time. That's nonsense. If you would like to get to church more often, you'd do it. That's why I feel meeting regularly is vital. You know, 
this day and age, it's not so much in vogue to, to meet together as church every single week, go off and do something else a few weeks. If we were all here, we'd be, you know, overflowing. I think we need to rediscover the priority of meeting together um, as, a, as in our Christian life. This is what's going to prepare us. It's one of the things that's going to prepare us. Barry will take it on next week for the hill climbing, for the tough stuff, for going uphill. 1 Corinthians 14, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word or of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So we're encouraged to come together. We're encouraged to share together. There's not always an opportunity in the, in the large meeting here, but there are opportunities to share things together. And we build each other up. And look in Acts 2, oh sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just in fact you are doing. And it's talking about all the time. Scripture after scripture talks about meeting together for the benefit of each other. We build each other up. That's what, it, what it's all about. And we strengthen each other, and we encourage each other, and we pray for each other, and we can tackle those hills. And we learn from people who've done that before, who can show us the best way, who can give us things, experiences, which will help us in our Christian life. Acts chapter 2, this is what they did in the early church. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then Psalm 133 says this, and by the way, just look, I, I put the heading in as well. A song of ascent. A song of going up, rising up. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When we dwell together in unity, we don't all think the same, we don't all do the same, but we are united because we all love Jesus. We all want to strengthen each other. That's what it's like. God gives his blessing and he will bless us if we are united together, we meet together regularly with, with glad hearts. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And again, Romans, so there's scripture after scripture. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So, if you are not convinced that you need to meet together, and you are here, of course, So, and some people cannot get here. And we do have the Zoom, it's, you know, it's, I always think it's not, not quite as good, and sometimes we do have a few technical issues with it, but that is a way. So even if you can't get here, you can still be here, kind of um, 
remotely but still actually worship together it's it's not as good but it's it's what some people might have to do and hello everybody on zoom if you're still watching how many have we got on hazel five hello you five good to see well can't see you but you hope it's good to see us anyway um in this day and age we are a group of people who are definitely a minority and if there's one person one being who wants to stop you from worshipping together with your brothers and sisters it is the enemy it's the it's satan he wants to stop you think for all the things that crop up when you're hoping to join us here on sunday morning how many things come along which make it oh i can't go and we used to find it when the children were growing up all of a sudden one of them would be sick or one of them would be ill or something or throw some paddy or something or other and it would be very difficult to get here and what we knew was it was an attack of satan to try and stop god's people meeting together all kinds of things will rise up to stop you from being here we need to pray against the works of the evil one and even more so i just wanted to if you kind of like get a bit confused like i do these days you know something comes along some headline comes along something on a paper or some news flash comes along and you think this is absolute nonsense what what on earth is the world coming to anybody think like me sometimes you hear you hear a headline you see something anybody think this is this is crazy what is going on i want to um just to, to understand slightly um There's this man called Antonio Gramsci. Has anybody have heard of him? He was a philosopher and writer. He was from Italy originally. And he wrote various things in the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, he, he wrote a book called The Long March Through the Culture. And he was very much a communist, a Marxist. And he'd looked at the way things had happened in, in, the Soviet, in Russia, which became the Soviet Union, and he thought that actually a revolution, a sort of a, a revolution, all of a sudden was a bad idea. It wasn't going to work very well. So he came up with something called the Long March through culture. And this is what he said. Socialism, and really mean Marxism, is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. He went on. In the new order, socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. Dechristianization was his aim, and what he knew was this was not going to happen overnight. 
This was why he called it the Long March. It was renamed by someone called Rudy Duchka in the 1960s. He called it the Long March through the institutions. And basically it's a slow thing. You get people with these anti-Christian ideas and you put them in positions, such as in teaching, such as in government, local government, major government, into media, and all the way along, his idea was that little by little, he never saw it happen, but we, I believe, we're seeing this happen through our very eyes. You know, the, the traditional family is no longer seen as the ideal, is no longer seen as the best way. It's just one possibility. Our schools, I, I, as an ex-teacher, I shudder when I think of some of the things which are taught to our children in schools. And I think we need to pray against it. And literature and science, even science is infiltrated. The revision of history, media, entertainment, organisations. That's why we need to stay firm. Romans 12 says this, and we need to pray against this infiltration of the new religion of communism, really, that will, is infiltrating our country. Do not conform to the pattern, pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, God has a plan for each one of us. And just because you see something on the news, just because someone says something is right, check it out with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's obviously not of God. So don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let the, one translation is, don't let the world squeeze you into the same old mould. Don't let, you know, the forces that are exerted upon us we need to be that light on the hill, the city of lights on the hillside that stands out against what is a very dark world and getting darker and it's getting harder for us as Christians. You know, people are now being... You, you know, you used to be able to have someone who would stand up in the street and preach and they're being stopped, of course. I mean, it wasn't my style. I don't do that, but... It's, it's hard. I mean, Mark, you know, you lead the, the outreach team. It is getting harder, isn't it? There are pressures. We can still do it, but it's not as easy as it was. Yeah, all right. I know we are. Yeah. Okay. But it is, but generally speaking, overall, we are, we are under the pressure. And things are changing. So what I'm saying to you is this morning... Prepare to climb. The best way of preparing to climb is to stay in the fellowship and be a loyal member of the fellowship. You know, there's this, uh, this old phrase that, you know, there's the two, two pillars in the church. There's the pillars and there's the caterpillars. And the pillar is the structure, holds the, the whole church up. And the caterpillar, there's two versions of that. A caterpillar could be a bulldozer, which will try and break it down. Or another definition of a caterpillar is someone who just crawls in and out. 
So are you a pillar or are you a caterpillar? Are you somebody who builds the church up? And can you, can you really say that you are committed to this fellowship or a fellowship? You may not be in this fellowship. But what I'm saying to you is, God wants us to be... Oh, is that, uh, that song? Okay. God wants us to be committed. And the best way is to learn from other people. Be in a situation where you have a family, a, a group of people with the same aim in mind. That is one of the best ways of preparing you for what comes ahead. Do you want to climb hills for the Lord? Because if you do, you're in the right place to get support, to, to share love together, the love of God. So I'm going to finish now and hand back to Sharon. So let's just pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you've put us in your family. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't intend us to have to go it alone. Thank you, Father, that you have, have just made it possible for us to worship you together, to learn of you together, and to get to know you better, Father. I pray that you would just pour your Spirit upon us. And, Lord, make us more of a loving fellowship, even more. Lord, I thank you that you have kept this, this church going down through the years. Father, I pray that you would cause us to grow, cause us to want to conquer these hills for you. Lord, we want you to bless us as a fellowship. Lord, we want you to grow us as a fellowship, both spiritually and numerically. Father, I just pray that we would come against the forces of the evil one. Father, the forces that say you know, that Christianity is the religion that's got to go. Father, your faith, your true faith is not going to go. You will never fail. Your kingdom cannot fail. Amen. And Lord, we are members of your kingdom, Father. And we just pray that you would just bless us. And Lord, that you would just empower us. Help us to be open to your word. But Lord, keep us close to each other and close to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.